Welcome to Legacy Church. Thank you for joining us in our journey to see our potential in Christ become a legacy in our community. We hope that you are encouraged by this word from Pastor Chad Owens and pray that you will walk away with something incredible from your time here with us. There's the next worship leader in the house right there. At this time, our kids are going to be dismissed for Kids Church, and they're going to have a wonderful day. And Moms and dads, I want you to grab your Bibles, your iPads, your iPhones, or those that have your Galaxy phones. You can grab those too, um, uh, or whatever those Android phones. Yeah, I'm sorry, I, I can't remember what you call them now. Grab those phones and turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 7. We're going to be looking out of the Message Bible this morning, and if you don't have your Bibles, we'll have it here available on the screen. You can turn to your Bible apps, and you can download, or you can follow along with the the scripture that I want to share with you this morning. Uh, I love this story. I've read it many times, and uh, I got a hold of it this week again, and I want to share just a message that I feel like God's laid up on my heart this morning. Just a, just a unique, different story. It's, um, it's a, a story of change. It's a story of four men who kind of were tired where they were in their life, and they wanted to make some change. You ever been there before? That's where I can be sometimes in my life. I want to see some things different. I want to do some different things, but I know that that requires of me of, of getting up and moving and, and making some change in my life. So 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 3 through 9, if you would stand with me this morning as we read God's Word. And, and again, I may be reading a little bit different than what you're reading it in your Bible. I'm reading from the Message Bible, and it says this. It says, it happened that four lepers were sitting just outside a city gate. They said to one another, we are do- what are we doing here sitting at death's door? If we enter the famine-struck city, we will die. If we stay here, we will die. So let's take our chances. Uh, so let's take our chances in the camp of uh, a ram and throw ourselves on their mercy. If they receive us, we will live. If they kill us, we will die. We have nothing to lose. So, they, so after the sun went down, they got up and went to the camp of a ram. When they got to the edge of the camp, surprise, not a man in the camp. The master had made the army of Aram hear the sound of horses and mighty men on the march. They told one another, the king of Israel hired the kings of the Hittites and the, king, uh, and the kings of Egypt to attack us. Panicked, they ran for their lives through the darkness, abandoning tents, horses, donkeys. The whole camp was just as it was, running for their dear life. These four lepers entered the camp and went into, uh, went into a tent. First they ate and then they drank. They grabbed silver, gold, and clothing and went off and hid it. They came back, entered another tent, and looted it again, hiding their, pl- uh, their plunder. Finally, they said to one another, we should do something. Uh, we shouldn't be doing this. This is the day of good news, and we're making it into a private party. If we wait around until morning, we'll get called and punished. Come on, let's go. Tell the news to the king's palace. Father, thank you for your word. Today, God, I pray that this word would challenge us in our hearts today. That, God, that there may be somebody sitting in this room today that's kind of just at a standstill in their life. God, they may want to make a difference. They may want to begin to do something different. Or they may want to follow you a little bit closer. They may want to change some things in their life, but yet they're not sure, God. So, Father, I pray over these next few moments as I speak your word, God, that you would anoint me. God, not my words. My words have no meaning, but, God, your words have clarity and bring freedom. 
So God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning, God, for, for us to realize, God, that it's time to move. It's time to get up from where we are and keep going. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to kind of give you a backstory of this scripture just for a moment. King Benadad, the king of Syria, and his army had defeated everybody except for Samaria. So his final tactic to defeat Samaria was to surround them. King Benadad surrounded the army of Samaria, uh, and there was a great famine in the land. Nothing, listen, nothing could go in and nothing could go out. And the famine had gotten so bad, guys, that, that, that people, and this may sound a little gross to you this morning, but this is the story. It had gotten so bad that people had turned to cannibalism and started eating one another. That's how bad it got during the land. That's how surrounded they were. There was nothing that was, that was going out, and there was nothing that was coming in. And so this was a desperate time in their life. They were surrounded by the enemy. Their, their camp was surrounded. Nobody could do anything. Nothing could come in, and nothing could go out. And so I say all that to say this, and what I thought about that story for just a moment is this. One of the enemy's greatest tactics to destroy you and I or any ministry is to do this, is to surround you so that anything cannot come in or anything cannot go out. He wants you to focus upon yourself. He wants you to focus on your inward self. He wants you to think about only you. He wants you to only think about yourself and no one else but only you. And so the enemy will do what he needs to do to surround you so that there's nothing that can come in and there's nothing that can go out. You ever been to a body of water where the water wasn't flowing in and out? The water that just sits there just becomes stagnant. It becomes nasty. It begins to stink. And so but why? Because there's no f uh, fresh water flowing in and there's nothing that can flow out. But I want to challenge you this morning is this. God has called you to allow, your, to allow your life for something to flow in, but also to flow out. Too many times we sit in services like this, and we feel the Holy Spirit, and the, and, and the Word of God is inputted in our life, and we hear it with our words, and we, we tuck it aside somewhere in our heart, but yet no, somewhere during the week it never goes out, it only stays in. And we are getting, and we are getting, and we are getting, and we are getting constantly. We are pouring in. We're getting poured in by, by preachers on the television, by, by podcasts, by reading books, by reading scripture. There's constantly things that are coming in, but there's nothing ever going out. And what the enemy is trying to do is he's trying to surround you so that nothing will ever come in and so that nothing will ever come out. And that's what he did in this story. He surrounded this army, this, this camp, these people so that nothing could come in and nothing would go out. And the times got so bad that they turned to one another and began to eat one another. Cannibalism. That's sad. That's, that's a desperate place in their life. <clears throat> you see, if the enemy can't get you to do bad, or if he can't get you to be bad, what he's going to do, he's going to make you focus upon yourself so that nothing can go out and nothing can come in because everything is about you. Guys, can I tell you this morning... In all seriousness, we live in, a, we live in a society today where everything is about me. Where my need can be met. Where, anything, where everything is okay with me. Where everything is alright with me. And that is not the case, guys. Everything needs to be okay with you, absolutely. But it needs to be to the point where everything is okay with you so that the love of Jesus can be flowing out of you. You're call, you're, God's called us to be a conduit for things to run through us, not just a bucket to gather it. In our life, he's called things to flow through us. 
The enemy wants you to be self-centered. The enemy wants everything to be about you. The enemy wants everything to, for all your thoughts to be about your, yourself. When was the last time that you invited somebody to church with you? I believe that God is doing something excuse me, in our church. In the last few weeks, I really feel like there's been a move of God in our church and that, that lives have been changed, lives have been touched. But I want to tell you this morning is this. It's not over yet. Let's keep going. Let's keep moving. God's brought us to a new location. And we've seen a lot of new faces. Thank God for being in this location. So it's not time for us to gather up and sit here where we are, but it's time to keep moving. It's time to keep going. Amen? It's time to keep moving and going. God doesn't want us to be self-centered. God doesn't want our focus to be about ourselves. He wants our focus to be about others and about the love of Christ that can flow out of us and around those others in our life. You see, when we become self-centered, everything is about us. When we, when we become self-centered, we lose our ability to see the outside world and we lose our ability to offer them hope. When everything is about us, we lose our ability to love other people. Amen? God's called us to love other people. He's called us to show love to other people. So let's, for a moment today... Pardon me as I enjoy my refreshment. So today, for just a moment, let's not think about you. I know you're here today to hear a message that needs to challenge you, that needs to do something to you, and I understand that. But today, let's not think about me. Let's think about other people that we know that, that needs the love of Christ, that needs people who will love on them and, 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 and show them compassion, as we talked about over the last several weeks. You ever met anybody that's self-centered, who all their focus was about themselves? All they sit down and talk to them, they'll tell you all that they've done. They'll tell you all the things that's happened in their life. How many times they've done this, how many times they've done that. It's all about me, it's all about me. Look what I've done, look what I've done. But what I love about the story of Jesus is Jesus was never that way. But he came to serve people. He came to love people. He came to give his life for people. He was never self-centered. He was never self-focused. He had a, a plan and a purpose that God put in his life. And he said, you know what? I'm going to make sure that that plan and that purpose gets seen through my life and, and into the other lives of people. Why? Because it's not about me. It's about being a servant and serving those people that are around us. And sometimes washing the feet of people who we don't sometimes really enjoy and don't want to wash their feet. The enemy wants us to focus on ourselves and no one else. When he was speaking to Eve in the garden... He was trying to get them to think about, not think about what God said, but he was trying to get them to think about what he was talking about and what he was saying. He was trying to get their focus upon him and, what God, and, and not what on God said. And so this morning I want to share three things with you that I really believe get, can help us in our life. If we want change, if we want to get up and do something different, if we want to have a, a new uh, awakening in our spirit, then we need to make sure that we do these three things this morning. Number one, this you got to get up and move. Look at verses 3 and 4 this morning. It says this. It happened that the four lepers were just sitting outside the city gate. And they said to one another, What are we doing sitting here at death's door? If we enter the famine-struck city, we will die. If we stay here, we will die. So what do they say next? So let's take our chances in the camp of Aram and throw ourselves on their mercy. If they receive us, we will live. If they kill us, we will die. And here's the next verse that they said. We've got nothing to lose. We have nothing to lose. Guys, listen, if we stay here, guess what? We're going to die. 
If we stay in this position, if we stay at this moment, if we stay right here at the city gate, guess what? We're going to die. Or we can take a chance. We can take a chance and and just see what happens. Listen, if we sit here, we're going to die. Or there may be a possibility that we enter into the town and they may kill us. Whatever the case is, we're going to die. So they took a chance. They were tired of where they were. They were tired of where they were sitting. They were tired of being in that position. They had reached a place in their life where they became desperate. They felt alone. They were outcasts. They had this disease that nobody wanted to do anything with them or, or touch them or, or communicate with them. And so they were sitting on the outside of the city all by themselves, abandoned, all alone. And there was this famine that happened in the land and they realized that even if there were, were food, if, even if there was something in the city, that they would be the very last ones to receive anything if they were going to receive anything at all. Because they had this leprosy that had came upon their body and they were dying physically. So they said, hey, let's do something. There may be someone here today that in your life that there's something that you're going through that's eating you up on the inside. You're thinking about it constantly. You're battling this thing in your life constantly. It's going over and over in your mind. You think about it daily on a day-to-day basis. There's something on the inside that's, that's tearing you up. And my question to you this morning is this. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? Am I, am I just going to sit here and just let it continually happen over and over in my life? Or am I just going to take a chance and move forward? Because there may be in that moment that you take a chance that, that something will may happen once you begin to move. God has called us to move. He's never called us to sit still. The main people in that story were these four starving lepers. Four starving lepers were sitting there outside the gate, dying. But they made a decision to get up and move. You see, when you get to the point where you're starving, you don't need anybody to go get you anything to eat, amen? You don't need anybody to get you to go anything to eat, amen? You don't need to turn over to your wife and go, hey, babe, I'm hungry. Would you go give me something to eat? Or vice versa. When you're hungry, what do you do? You get up and you go to the kitchen and you grab yourself something to eat. You don't, need to, you don't rely on other people to feed you. Amen? Listen to me this morning, and I say this in, in all honesty. Sometimes on Sunday mornings we come in here and we hear a pastor preach or here or there or wherever you may go. We hear a pastor preach, and that's the only time that you've been fed during, your, during the week. It should not be that way. You've come here on a Sunday morning to be encouraged and to have something input into your life so that when you go out, you can take what you've heard in here. But your devotion time is where you get fed. That's where you survive. So when you're hungry, you get up and you go eat. When you're thirsty, you get up and go get something to drink. You don't need to wait for somebody to tell you, but when you're hungry, you get up and go. Listen, I've been in positions in my life where I was starving for something, and I needed something from God, and I didn't need anybody to give me a bump. I didn't need anybody to give me an encouragement. I didn't need anybody to do anything. I just needed to get up and move. And what I realized at the moment that I got up and moved, that God was waiting for me when I got there. And he touched my life and he gave me what I needed in that moment. Guess what? I took a chance. We see us taking a chance. God doesn't see us as taking a chance because when you get there, he's going to meet you there. 
He's going to be waiting for you. It's not taking a chance, really. You're just stepping out in faith. And God says, if you'll step out in faith, I'll move. And I'll touch you in, in, in those areas that, that where you're having troubles in your life. God wants us to get to that point where we're starving for change. Where we want something different. Because it's easy in our relationship with God to become stagnant. It's easy in our relationship with God for nothing to be happened. We can look religious on the outside, but we will not have a relationship on the inside. And we will die physically, and that's what was happening in these men's lives. They were dying physically, but they said here, listen, we have nothing to lose. We have nothing to lose, so let's get up and move. So my question to you this morning is this. When we begin to move, when God begins to tug on our heart, when we begin to feel the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us to a closer wall or to a closer uh, moment with him, why is it we're so afraid of losing something? Why is it that we're so afraid of losing something? Because that, in that moment, that thing that we're afraid to lose will keep us sitting outside the gate. It will keep us sitting outside the gate. Because here's these men. They had every reason to stay outside the gate. They had a disease. Nobody wanted to bring them in. Nobody welcomed them in the city. So they had every reason to sit outside the gate and die. But they said, listen, we're taking a chance. We're going into the city, and we're just going to see what happens. We're just going to see what happens. You know what, on, on, on Sunday morning sometimes, I, I know years ago that I, I could get in when I was in worship service and I could, I could feel God moving in the spirit and I would, listen, I was raised Baptist, okay? There wasn't a lot of hand raising in the church that I grew up in, I'm just being honest with you this morning. But I remember when I stood in a Pentecostal service for the very first time and I remember God dealing with my heart and God speaking to me. I was so desperate. I wanted to lift up my hands. And listen here, it's just a sign to surrender. Guys, there's nothing magical about us doing this, okay? It's just an act of saying, God, I'm just opening my life to you. That's all it is. It doesn't mean that, that I'm holier than you. It, doesn't mean, it just means, listen, I'm in a position, God, that I need a touch from you. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to open up my life to you this morning. And Father, just fill me up. And so I remember standing in those services, and I remember holding onto that pew so tightly that my nail, I think my nails dug into the side of that, that pew that morning. And I remember this just like it was yesterday. I remember for the very first time when I just simply did this. Just, just I gave one, it wasn't even this. I gave one, of the, I mean, I went all, I was like, all the way in. Because I was like, listen, if God's going to do it, I need, I, need to, I need to go up here, you know, I don't need to. I don't need none of this. I need up here. And I remember that moment. In that moment, it was just like something. Somebody just turned a faucet on, and it just began to flow over me. Why? Because what was happening in my life was, listen, you know what? I could have stayed where I was. But can I tell you this morning, I was dying. I was physically dying in my life that I needed something else and said, God, you know what? You said that if, you, if I would do this, that you would meet me. And guess what he did? He met me in that moment. And I remember standing there, feeling his presence like I've never felt before in my life. And again, it had nothing to do with my lifting my hands, but I felt like it was this act of surrender saying, God, here I am. Just fill me up. That's what I want in my life. That's what I want for this church is that, that, you, that we get so desperate for God that it doesn't matter. Listen, we can be pushing the grocery, co grocery store cart this morning or whenever, not this morning because you're here. But we could be pushing it in the grocery store and it's like, Lord, I, just, I, I worship you today. Now, you're going to have some of these. 
got to get away from this dude. That, listen, it, but it doesn't just have to be in this building. It can be anywhere. But here's what I love about them. They decided to get up and, and do something different. They decided to get up and move. They understood that change was going was gonna to be hard. They understood that with, the, the, with their disease, that every time they moved, there was going to be pain. Every time they just kept going forward, there was going to be some kind of some kind of limitation that may have happened or some kind of something happening in their life. But you know what? They just kept moving. And they kept moving and they kept moving to where they felt like, man, we just, if we could just get there, who knows what will happen. Luke chapter 17, verses 33, it says this. It says, people who try to save their lives will lose them. And those who lose their lives will save them. You see, we have, too many times we're trying to hold on to our own life. We're trying to hold on to certain areas of our life. And God says, listen, just, just, just let me have everything. Don't, don't hold on to it because I want, ev- I want everything. Just let it go. And again, I ask you this question. What are we afraid to lose? Because I, I do believe that whatever I give up, God's going to give me something better. I, I'm a firm believer of that. If, listen, if, if, if God says, hey, Chad, I want you to do this, and I step out and do this, God's going to bless me with something that, that was even greater than what I gave up. That's just, who, that's just the type of God that I serve. So they were ready to move. Number two is this. God had already gone before them. Verses 5 through 7, look at this. It says, so after the sun went down, they got up and went to the camp of Aram. When they got to the edge of the camp, what's the next word? Surprise. Say it to your neighbor. Say, Surprise. Not a man in the camp. The master had made the army of Aram hear the sound of horses and a mighty army on the march. And they told one another, the king of Israel hired the king of Hittites and the, and the kings of, of, of Egypt to attack us. Panicked that they ran for their lives through the darkness, abandoning tents, horses, donkeys, the whole camp, just as it was, running for their dear life. God had already gone before them. See, here's what I love about when God calls you to move, when you begin to move, guess what? God's already got the next situation planned out for you. He's already got the next position where you're going to go. It's already stocked, ready to go. It's like, hey, it's like when you get home from the grocery store and you walk in the kitchen knowing that there's no groceries there because you haven't been in the grocery store. And you go to the kitchen, you open up, it's like, ah, there's like groceries everywhere. And you know you hadn't even been, you just, you just came home. That's what God does. God, listen, when you move, God's already got the next thing ready for you. He's got, he's got the next thing ready for him. That's the way these guys were. God takes care of his people. They took a chance. And when they went into the camp, thinking that they may die, thinking that they may, their lives may be taken from them, they go into a, to the camp and they realize that there was nothing there. That they were having a party, that all the food that, that this army had been surrounding there in their life and not giving them anything, they found all this food, they found all this gold, they found all these things just as it was when they took off. When, they, when we begin to, begin to move forward and take a chance, God just says, okay, here, here it is. Here's what you need. He's ready to give you what you need in your life when you decide to move. He's ready to give everything to you in your life when you decide to move. You see, they were just getting up, taking a chance. They were starving, and they said, let's just go into the camp. God had already prepared something for them that they didn't even know was there. But they got to enjoy it. Why? Because they moved. When we take a chance and step out for God, God always meets us there. When we can't see the other side, when we can't see the other side, when we can't see the future, what will we do? Will we move or will we stay there because we're not sure what's on the other side? 
What is it that keeps you in place right now? What is it that keeps you where you are right now in your life? What is it that keeps you from taking a chance with God and saying, God, here's my life, Father. I don't know everything. I'm not sure what's going to happen next. But, Father, I'm taking a chance on you. What keeps you from not taking a chance with Jesus? Because the longer you sit there, the more we die on the inside. And as I was thinking about that, I thought about the story in Numbers chapter 13 as Moses was about to send out the spies to, to look at the promised land and, and to see what was going on. They come back and they give him all these, this news. And this is what it said in verse 26. You can follow along on the screen and there on your app. It says this. It says, They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israel community at Kadesh in the, in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and they showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which, into which you sent us. And this is what I love about it. And it does flow with milk and honey, as you said, in other words. Here's the fruit. But the people who live there, or live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there, and the uh, uh, Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites live in the hill country. <coughs> Excuse me. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. But verse 30, this is what struck me when I read it this week. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But then the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And, they're spread, uh, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. And they said, The land where we explored devours those living in it. And all the people we saw there were, were great size. We saw the Nephilim uh, there in, 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 of Anak. And we seemed like grasshoppers in their own eyes. And so we stayed where we were. We stayed where we were. We didn't move. We didn't go into the city. We didn't go into the, to the promised land that, that God had already promised us. Why? Because we were afraid. Because we heard this bad report about what was on the other side. Because we had never been there before. We didn't know what was on the other side. We didn't know what was in the promised land. We just know that God said, this is your land. This is yours to go take it. If you will go take it, it already belongs to you. So Moses sent the men out to spy the land. And they come back and they said, guess what, Moses? It's just as you said it was. Look at these grapes. Or look at this ginormous apple. Or look at this ginormous banana. It is what you said it was. But the people there are very large. But we're very scared. And we know, Moses, that your God said that this is our land. But we're not sure. So because we're not sure, we're going to stay here. And look what they missed out on. For another 40 years, they wandered in the desert because they did not take a chance and go into the promised land because they were afraid. When Caleb looked at them and said, hey, guys, we can do this. Hey, guys, we can do this. We've got this. Why? Because God's on our side. God has already laid it out for us. God has already gone before us. God's already prepared it. It is as what God said it was. All we have to do is march forward. And, and take what's ours. But they were like, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure. And so they missed it. You see, when we're afraid to get up and move, we miss it. We miss it. Even when somebody, even if somebody told you, even if Jesus was standing here today telling you what you needed to do in your life, there would be some of us in this room today that would go, I'm not sure. 
I'm not sure. That's, that's Jesus. You know that, right? I know, but I'm not sure. And so we, we've missed out on what God has for us. Can I tell you this morning, I'm tired of missing out on what God has for me because of my selfishness or because my being afraid of what may be on the other side. Why? Because God has already gone before me. Just like I feel like when, when we rented this building, I feel like this was, God, this was God. You know what we did? We took a chance. We took a chance. And you know what? We've seen more new faces since we've been in this building than we did in the last year at the other building. Why? Why? Because we took a chance. You know, we could have stayed where we were and everything would have been okay. But, they, but I, I just felt like we were missing something. We were missing something. When you step out and you don't know sometimes where you're going to go, God says, listen, if you'll just step out, I'll meet you there. I'll provide for you everything that you need if you'll just step out in that moment. So they just got tired of being where they were, and they, they just got up. Why? Because God had already prepared something for them. Number three is this, Shelby. I want to ask you to come up this morning, and I'm closing with this. Verses 8 and 9, it says this. It says, these four lepers entered the camp and went into the tent. And they first ate and they drank and then they grabbed silver and gold and clothing and went off and hid it. And they came back and entered another tent and looted it again, hiding the, the, their plunder. Can you just imagine what these men were thinking in that moment? They were starving to death. They were dying. They were physically, and they took a chance. And they're just running through the tent, you know, from tent to tent, grabbing food and whatever was there for them. And they're just grabbing it and taking it and putting it somewhere and hiding it. And then they said in verse 9, it's like they got to a point where they were just like, okay, we got to do something different here. Finally, they said to one another, one of the wisest ones in the bunch, I don't know who it was, may have been John. I have no idea what his name was. They said this, we shouldn't be doing this. And then they said these words, this is a day of good news. And we're making it into a private party. If we wait around until morning, we'll get called and punished. Come on, let's go and tell the news to the king's palace. They were enjoying themselves so much. They were having fun so much that they felt bad about it because they were the only ones that would get to enjoy it. And this says, listen, let's just go and, and take this good news and let's share it with everybody else. Let's go and share it with those that kicked us out of the camp because of our disease. Let's go share it with those who, who, who hasn't spoke to us in years. Let's go share it with those who have nothing to do with us. Listen, I feel bad about this. Man, we've got good news. Let's go share it with somebody else. Let's not make it into a private party. Let me tell you this morning is this. Stop making your Christian walk with God into a private party. Stop making it into a private party. You've got the greatest news that has ever been given to you. And you're sitting on it. And I'm sitting on it. God says, listen, go share it with somebody. Go give somebody else the good news. Listen, I blessed you. Now go be a blessing to somebody else. They said, listen, I, we don't want to make it into a private party. Let's go invite everybody. Let's go get everybody to come and enjoy this food and all this fellowship and all these great things that we've missed out for so long. Good news. Man, they were just having a ball. Can you imagine what everybody else is feeling when they got invited to the party? Just in simply invitation. Because the only thing that we can take with us to heaven is people. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 12, or excuse me, chapter 4, verses 9 through 12 says this. It says, two are better than one because they have a great return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can, get the, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep each other warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one of them may be uh, overpowered, two can, can defend themselves. Three-stranded cord is not quickly broken. You see, when I invite people into my life, when I pull people from the outside into my life and say, hey, come, come hang with me, guess what? That makes me stronger. That makes me stronger. The more, the more people I add to my party, the stronger my party will become. Now, I can hang on to it. All my, I can hang on to all the good news and all the things that God's done in my life. I can hang on to it, or I can share it with other people so that they can know and understand what God's done in my life. You see, they were just wanting to be a blessing. They just wanted to take what, what wasn't even theirs and share it with other people and let them enjoy it. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20 says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, there, go, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What does he say? Go and make disciples. And go strengthen the church. Go invite other people to your private party. Come on and let's, let's make this thing happen. Let's grow the church. That's what he was saying. Let's grow the church. We have nothing to lose. I mean, what do, what do we have to lose? Acts chapter 1, verses 8 says, But you, will sh you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the other ends of the earth. When the Spirit of God falls upon us, we become his witnesses. One becomes, two becomes better than one. That when I was afraid in my moments of insecurity, when I was afraid of stepping forward and doing what God's called me to do, the power of God comes upon me and makes me stronger. It makes me stronger and makes me realize that it's not just about me, but it's about other people standing around me. I want you to stand to your feet this morning, if you will. We're going to close. Nothing to lose. Thank you once again for joining us at Legacy Church. Stay tuned in to our website for updates on events and check out other messages under the online listening tab. We'd love to see you, so join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Have a blessed day.